You're listening to WYDG Gaming Radio. Now listen to me, brother man. I'll tell it just so you can't understand. We got a whole lot of more discovering. Don't act like you know how to know in the universe. You can't flow from the first to the next verse. You're a manifest of the effect of a cause without a man. But you're not a lost cause, brother man. Now hear me out, sister lady. Keep hoping for the sun when it's being rainy. You have a special kind of responsibility. The ability to channel out of entity. Tap into a sacred symmetry. Grown foster child into infancy. All my sisters out there with powerful souls. Keep your love strong. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back. We are here today with AJ Baki, uh, author, fantasy author. And how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm good. I have two cats currently sitting on me, so... Two out of what, five? Yep, two out of five. I got ginger and molasses. It sounds like the Well, and then life. I have tapioca behind me and pumpkin to the other side. Breve is above me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're surrounded. I am surrounded. So for, for our listeners that are not familiar with you, uh, can you give us a little bit of a backstory of how you got started writing? I always wanted to write, like, pretty much since the day I was born. Really a long time for me to find something. Motivation, I guess, in the self-discipline was even more important to actually finish a book. I tried to write things, you know, over the years, but I never actually, or if I did finish it, it was really crappy. Anyway, so I don't know what... 2012, I was on a drive home pondering, and it was like the story idea just downloaded into my brain from the heavens. And I went down, went home and wrote a little one-page outline, and that's what became my first novel, To Save Two Worlds is Twice as Much Fun. Is that one uh, fully published and all that? Yeah, it's self-published. It took me about a year and a half to write that one, and then ever since I kind of went, proved to myself, oh my gosh, I can actually like finish books and publish them. Hooray! So then I've been publishing probably about two to three novels a year. Just kind of depends. Wow. What was that like for you finishing the first one? Because I know I've had a little bit of time working on books and short stories and wanting to get into that, but I've always gotten kind of stuck at the, I don't know how to finish this. So what was that like for you when you, when you finished the first one and kind of have that moment of like, I can, I can complete things? You know, I'm trying to remember. I don't, I'm not really sure. I think... I think mostly I had these great naive visions of grandeur, like, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to send this book to an agent and they're going to accept it right away and I become a billionaire author right off the bat. The dream, I mean. <laughs> mostly kind of like over time as I continued to write and finish books that it began to become like a normal part of my routine, but also I'm just kind of fascinated with it. It's like a door and now there's all these stories that are just waiting to be written. At first, I couldn't really think of anything, and now I can't stop of thinking of all kinds of things. Oh, it sounds like a blessing and a curse. It's what great. do you think is more difficult for you now, starting a story or finishing one? Either, exactly. I think, well, writing the first draft of a story is the hardest part for me. Down to a routine where I get up in the morning, I make coffee, I sit down on the couch with the cats, and I get started on writing. I get myself about 10 minutes to wake up first before I actually start writing. But I always kind of have an argument with myself every single morning. Like, you got to write. I don't know. I don't feel like it today. But I just make myself open to thing. And once I start writing, then it just kind of form up to it. And my brain says, oh, yeah, we know how to do this. It's, uh, the first uh, rough draft, some of them kind of write themselves. And other ones, it's just like really hard to get those words onto the I want to say words on the paper, but it's not really paper anymore. It's on my laptop. But, you know. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself, like, 
when you're first starting to write the first draft or your outline for for a new book and you're staring at the blank page do you ever get those moments where you're like it's almost hard to get yourself started not exactly i mean i have those moments but i don't allow them to last very long i let myself have writer's block essentially sometimes i'll have to do like a little brainstorm to get me started for a story and i kind of know where it's going but i'm kind of like a discovery writer do an outline i just kind of discover the story as i write it like a little thing like i want this to happen and this to happen and this to happen and then like about two paragraphs of that and then i usually just start writing the story and go from there was there a, a turning point for you when it became because i know a lot of people myself included have tried starting projects and we're like okay well one of these days i'm going to have the motivation to do it and i've heard the argument before that that's it's only a little bit about the motivation it's mostly the discipline uh do you think that's yeah. kind of the point where you're at now where you you're like okay i'm getting up I'm going to write. It's happening. It's not uh, waiting for the motivation. Do you find that uh, motivation kind of kicks in after you've triggered the discipline of I'm going to start writing? So I did have a turning point kind of thing. So when I back on in 2012 in April, yeah, I started writing to save two worlds. And then about two months after I started writing it, I had kind of the same thing that happened where I lost motivation and I was just really anxious, you know, no one's going to want to read this book, everyone's going to hate it, and just too many doubts, you know, and I just kind of fizzled out on it for about two months. Mm. And so that's when I determined, you know what, I'm just going to sit down and every morning I'm going to work on the book. And I don't have any deadlines, I don't have any word count goals for the day or anything, I just have to write one sentence. That's it. And, you know, once I write that one sentence, and then the rest of the story just flows. But I don't write for a very long time, I only write for maybe 30 minutes to an hour every morning. And um, maybe about 500 to 1,000 words, so it's nothing spectacular, but it seems to be that's a good pace that works for me. Uh, what was your, your biggest struggle, do you think, getting started? I'm just thinking of an idea that really appealed to me, I guess. I would think of things, but they always... Well, one thing I had to accept that probably every story out there, idea out there, has already been thought of have to write my stories and sure it's going to have some familiar tropes in it but it's going to have my own spin on it my own writing style on it do you have any tips for anyone like how do you overcome the whole uh, i don't want to if i write this people aren't going to like it it's not going to be good i may as well just not write it because I, I feel like whenever you're creating something of your own and you're putting any amount of yourself and your own thoughts into it you kind of go back and you look at it and you go i mean that's what drafts are for i suppose a first draft, I actually have to keep reassuring myself. Right now, you're just writing the first draft. It's going to be crap. And then that's, and I have to tell myself with every single one, I go through the same time, I start getting anxious about it. I've had a lot of anxiety to fight through for pretty much every step of the way. Good times. But yeah, I've gotten better at, you know, catching myself and going, oh, wait, wait, we're going to come back and make it pretty. Right now, it's just getting it all down. And then I go back and I enhance the conversations and the descriptions and I rearrange the story wherever stuff needs to be done. And that's actually my favorite part is the editing. I love that part because then I already have the first draft. It seems to be a lot easier. It's just making it prettier. Do you have um, a set number of drafts that you'll do to a book you're working on before you figure, okay, this is, this is what's going to be published? I'm not really. It's just kind of as many as many drafts as the story needs. So I'll go through it. You know, I write the first draft and then I'll go through it again and add and subtract things. 
And again, I'm thinking maybe about five or six times before it's as good as it's going to get and send it to a proofreader before I throw it out the window. Definitely get to that point where the story is losing its magic and I'm like, oh, this is so boring. Nobody is going to want to suffer through this thing ever. And so, you know, then I send it to a couple of friends who proofread for me and then they send it back and then I make the changes and then I publish it. Have you ever had a moment where they send you something back and they go, you are right, this is boring? Or is it usually like pretty positive and you're like, nah, this is all in my own head? Well, thankfully, it's all been positive. And they sent me feedback that I really appreciate. I you know, went through it again and I was like, wow, she's right. I don't even, why did I even write it like this? I, I have no idea. So anyway, I fixed it. And it's really nice to get that outside perspective. And then also, while she's reading it, and I'm starting another book that gives me a break from that story. And then when it comes back to me, I'm looking at it, you know, with a fresher perspective. Oh, yeah. And then the, my advice to people to get through that funk where you're just like, I shouldn't even bother writing this. I don't know. Just do it anyway. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you know, no one really wants to read it, I guess. But at least <laughs> it's out there. That's that's always been my kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I want to make beautiful things, whether people appreciate them or not it's more for me yeah well you know i'm kind of hoping a lot of people eventually appreciate my books because you know i want to be a billionaire author someday but you know <laughs> <laughs> do you have i know you said you do you get up with the intent of i'm going to write a sentence and we'll see how this goes and it usually takes off from there and you write for you said about a half hour to an hour or so how would you define a good day of writing um any day that i get writing done is a good day of writing do you ever have um, days where despite writing, regardless of how much that you just feel unproductive? Not really. Oh, please tell me the secret. Sometimes. Well, I think I have very I have um, low standards for myself, what I call realistic standards, probably. So I do have days where I just only wrote like maybe two paragraphs and I just feel kind of like more, maybe. But then I like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, all you have to write is one sentence. So you wrote two paragraphs. Good job. <laughs> and then there are some mornings where it's really hard to drag myself away from the computer. Like the story just won't let me go. I'm just really into it. And, you know, the characters are just carrying me along. So those are good days. I guess I would call those really good days. And those happen, I don't know, a few times a month anyway. Most of the time it's medium days. It sounds like a pretty good balance, though, especially having realistic expectations of yourself. I think I found a lot of people that I've talked to that are in uh, any sort of creation of any sort is uh, you, there's all this pressure to just be working all the time and doing something all the time. And you could have like an the, the equivalent of having like an eight hour day worth of just writing and being productive, but then still feel like garbage for like, oh, I didn't do enough. So I, I think that's. That's huge for me. I need to find my uh, my own realm of reasonable expectations for myself, I think. I think that could definitely help, you know, with being able to accomplish things. You know, if I'm, I'm definitely kind of a step-by-step, little-bit-at-a-time person. So sometimes I wish I could write faster and that I could do like 10 stories at the same time, but that would melt my brain. <laughs> Burn out pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, do you have any ways that you practice your writing? to improve or is it mostly just it happens through writing more and more stories? See, I find really good books and I put them under my pillow when I'm sleeping and I hope that I will just absorb the awesomeness by osmosis <laughs> early. <laughs> um, one of the things actually that has helped me a lot was joining a couple of good writing groups. 
And they're the kind of groups that you don't spam advertisements to or anything. They're actually focused on helping people improve their writing. And I've, let's see, I've gotten a few short stories published through one of those groups. Helped me immensely just, um, just by getting the critique back for the short stories. And it was also helped me handle critique, which that's always fun. I pointed out things that I just didn't know about or hadn't guessed. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I started applying that. Except for the Hidden Level series, I did revise the first three books because they really needed it. And I wanted to be confident with being able to uh, market them. Now, are those groups that you were able to find online? Or do you have like local meetups, like people that you actually get to see face to face? Seeing people face to face? I know it's a crazy idea. No, no. <laughs> well, actually, I have met some of them in person, and that was a lot of fun. But they're uh, Facebook groups. Okay. One is uh, Fellowship of Fantasy, and they put out these anthologies that are free to download. People can read them and get a you know feel for different authors and their writing styles and stories and go, oh, wow, I really like this author. I want to buy their books. Or, wow, I don't like this author. I'm not going to buy anything from them. <laughs> now, how did you, at what point did you actually seek to uh, have a book physically published, self-published, that is. When I first finished To Save Two Worlds, I was dead set determined that I was going to get it traditionally published because I grew up of that's what you do. You write a book and you get it traditionally published and those self-published people, well, psh, anyone can self-publish a book. So, you know, I just had the idea in my head that they were low quality and less respected. But after getting... I don't, I didn't get very many rejection letters. I think I only got like three or four. And then I was like, okay, this is stupid. So then I talked to somebody who was working in the publishing industry already. And he said that I should self-publish, that it was a growing thing, that the traditional publishing was kind of tied a little bit. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get out there if I don't go this way. So it was a huge step for me just to publish that first book. And, you know, part of it was I was excited, but then I was also utterly terrified. So that's another thing that helped with joining writing groups later. I didn't join the groups until I'd published maybe three books already. To learn more about stuff and having good covers, I found a really good cover artist. So now I feel really good about marketing my books and stuff like that. So how do you go about self-publication? I always just imagine like it's... You've got some sort of printing press set up in your house or something, but I'm assuming that's not the case. Sure. I, I don't get along with printers, so actually that might be a disaster. <laughs> My roommate prints stuff for me because otherwise the printer would probably get beat to death with a hammer. So I publish through Kindle Direct Publishing through Amazon. Let's do ebooks now. I may try paperbacks again. I do have some books available as paperbacks. Will remain available as paperbacks. It's just making new paperbacks because I have to pay someone to format it specifically for the paperback. Do a little bit of formatting myself and then just upload the Word document and it converts it to the Kindle reader thingamajiggers. And then I have a cover artist that I hire and he makes really good covers and it works. But the paperbacks, I've just had trouble after trouble after trouble with them. And so I finally said, you know, until I can afford to pay someone else to do that for me, I think I'm just going to have to let that part go for now. Now, do you get to see like where most of your sales are coming from if they're through Kindle or if they're through paperback? And if so, like, how does that match up? I get uh, diddly squat for paperbacks. The only thing the paperbacks are really good for usually is if I order them myself. 
And then I can give them as gifts to people or I can do book signings. I haven't done any book signings this past year, but I was just invited to do one uh, in May. So I'll have to get some paperbacks for that and hopefully they turn out okay. I might have to head out there with mine because I actually bought um, Hidden Level Series, the first book, as a paperback. I, I will happily sign it for you. <laughs> awesome. I've come, I always forget that I have an e-reader app on my phone. So I don't know. I never really uh, picked up on the, the e-reader fad, I suppose. But that's probably something I should look into. Well, the great thing with the e-readers is that um, so mom actually gave me a Kindle. Oh, man, four years ago. It took me two years before I finally actually opened it up and started using it. <laughs> Because I was like that too, but I wanted to be able to support my fellow authors and the paperbacks are really expensive and not even just a fraction of that money goes to me for royalties. The rest of it goes to Amazon and printing costs. The eBooks are a lot cheaper to buy. And so that's why I switched over to Kindle. I get more pages read, at least this last month, I've been getting more pages read through Kindle Unlimited than I have direct sales, but that's okay. I'll take it. Now, do eBook sales help you out? Uh, more so than paperback sales. I know you said you get kind of barely anything as far as a kickback from paperbacks. I get a little bit more. It depends on the ebook. The ones that I have up there for two ninety nine, I think I get, I get seventy percent of that. But with the paperback, say if you got the paperback of To Save Two Worlds, I think that one's up there for thirteen dollars. I only get about a dollar fifty of royalties from that. Jeez. And paperbacks are nice though for book signings and everything like that, but I don't find them being very cost effective yeah so, i mean it's a lot for materials and everything too it is nice to have that available though i definitely appreciate having the option to do paperbacks if people want to do them or if that's what they want to buy so that's cool the ebooks are definitely the in thing and then of course there's the audiobooks most of my books are gonna you know be ebooks as well as audiobooks and maybe someday i'll get around to doing paperbacks again how did that come about actually because the first book of yours that I got through, Magic is to Dance, I got on audiobook. And it was really well read. How did you go from, I'm going to start writing stories, to now you are you have multiple books published and now you've got audiobooks? What is the audiobook process like? I got so lucky with my narrator for the audiobooks. And so that was something that I dragged my feet at because I was really anxious about doing audiobooks because it meant I had to a different thing. Plus, on top of that, I had to find a narrator. And um, two years ago, I sat myself down and said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to get a narrator and we are going to get audiobooks. And so I asked an author friend of mine, actually, who she uses, because I kind of prefer, you know, some sort of level of familiarity. Recommended a couple of people to me. And so I listened to samples and I chose the one that I liked the best. And then I asked her if she would like to narrate my books. And she said, yes, it's through the 2020 royalty share through ACX. One of the audiobook sales, she gets some of the royalties and I get some of the royalties. Okay. So it's split between you guys kind of deal. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. I like that because I wouldn't be able to afford to pay a narrator up front. A lot of times, I think the minimum this narrator's charge is maybe $50 per hour. So I was really grateful that she was willing to do that. So how many of your really books do you think are going to go to audiobook? I'm hoping to eventually have all of them. I decided Magic is to Dance, and then the second book, Magic is to Fly. And To Save Two Worlds is twice as much fun. And the second book of that series is the World's A Kilter series. 
uh, Caffeine Fatale. So those are both audiobooks. But then well, the Hidden Level series is the one that's actually selling the most as ebooks to be able to start benefiting from that as soon as possible. So I wanted to get those ones made into audiobooks. So I'm going to do the whole Hidden Level series next. So I have the Hidden Level coming out the beginning of January. And then the next book, Truel Earth, will be out hopefully in April. Going hopefully an audiobook about every three to four months until they're all done. Wow. How many books do you actually have published right now? Do you have a number? Um, hold on. I need to count on my fingers. Okay. I think I have 11 novels and... Some of the short stories are anthologies or in anthologies, and some of them are published separately for 99 cents each. Little bitty baby stories. I know, at least for myself and some of the people that I've talked to, sometimes it's hard. You get caught up in trying to make what you're working on absolutely perfect. And I don't know if you have the debilitating sickness of being your own worst critic, but I know that that plagues a lot of people especially when they're working on writing, do you have uh, a way of being like, okay, this is the point where even though I feel like I need to make it a thousand times better, I'm realistically just going to be spinning my wheels at this point and I'm done with this book. I seem to have a pretty good or a wall that I hit or something where I'm like, okay, it's not perfect, but this is as good as it's going to get. So, um, but it's kind of torture for me listening to the audio files to approve them because my little editor brain turns on and it goes, oh, and we could fix this and we could fix this and we could fix I'm like, no, you can't touch it. It's an audiobook. The, those words are sealed in stone now. Do you ever end up like taking notes and being like, oh, I'm going to I'm making notes on this for my next book so I don't do this again? Or is it just kind of one of those? It's just kind of cringy because, again, you're at kind of editing at the same time and you're like, I, I can't edit, though. This is this is done. <laughs> Pretty much, it's done. I rarely take notes for my old stories per se, but I'm always like learning new stuff, and I'll kind of pick and choose what matches my style, and be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll, that works for me. I'm gonna apply that to my next book that I write." Or else I'll be like, "Nah, they're crazy. I don't want to do that." <laughs> I've read, you know, articles and stuff that come along, offer advice, and some of it is new, and some of it's stuff that I'm like, "Oh, psh, I've been doing that for years." Uh, do you have any advice that you'd like to give to anyone who's been trying to or considering starting writing and maybe they either sit there and stare at the blank page and they're not really sure what to what to start with? Or maybe they've got a story in mind, but they keep getting, well, this, no one's ever going to want to read this. This is boring. I'm just going to not bother writing it. If they don't bother writing it, then it's never going to get written. I guess one of my things is, you know, if you don't start somewhere, you're not going to get anywhere. Isn't that catchy? It is. Also, uh, self-discipline and perseverance will get you a lot farther than inspiration or a muse. You know, inspiration and a muse, those are great for getting started, but muses are easily distracted by shiny things. Actually, finish a project. You just got to buckle down and do it. And what are your, your plans going forward? Like, do you have new series you're looking to start up? Or you have, uh, what, are you, what are you working on currently? And what are you planning on going forward? Currently, I'm working on Magic is to Live, the third in my Magic is to Be trilogy. So when you listen to Magic is to Dance, did you get the impression that the Lidra are very small? You know, I, I don't think I put that much thought into it. Because someone mentioned that they had listened to it, and they didn't realize until the second book that the Lidra are actually very small. They're about six to seven inches tall. Okay, see that? I didn't have that in my head. 
okay so that's that that's a learning experience for me because i was writing it kind of deep third person point of view so i was trying to make the comparisons natural so like near the beginning of the book caden sees a sparrow and it's as tall as his waist and then the dragons are the size of crows plants were a lot you know bigger in relative to them i feel like in my head i act i i took that and went okay the the characters are say like elf size and then for whatever reason my brain's like everything else around them is obviously very large yeah, and that's what this other person had thought as well. And I was like, oh, whoops, I didn't think of it from that perspective because they mentioned, you know, well, in fantasy, a lot of the plant life is just gigantic. You know, that just hadn't even occurred to me. And I was like, oh, okay, well. And so, you know, now I just know to think about that in the future when I'm writing a book. And so people will just be really surprised halfway through the second book. Like, oh, well, whoops, you know, and I can't really do anything because they're both audiobooks now. So I'm just going to leave them. And if people have read the Worlds of Kilter series, then they would already know that the leader are tiny. But if they're starting with the magic is to be, they might not get that because if I didn't, you know, convey it clearly enough or whatever. But that's okay. Yeah, I mean, you move forward from there. Pretty much. Do you have any particular authors who inspired you? Oh, uh, Mercedes Lackey. Oh my God, Annabelle is gonna love. She that. wins. <laughs> I I love her books so much. I have they kind of have a special place in my heart too because they were books that if my parents ever hear this I'm in so much trouble. Oh boy. <laughs> well, anyway, um cuz my grandma would sneak the books to me when I was in my early teens, I think. The books had stuff in it that my parents would have definitely disapproved of. Oh, but geez. I just loved those books. I loved her world and I feel like her books helped mind to different ways of thinking god forbid and her Valdemar series are especially i absolutely just love those books like those are books that's the whole series i'll go back and i'll reread that whole series every couple of years she's yeah. definitely one of my main inspirations and then i was kind of thinking terry pratchett a little bit too my writing like my world's a kilter series has kind of that some of that goofy silliness in it and stuff but it's not anywhere near as epic as his stuff you have anything that you're reading currently I am reading The Electrical Menagerie by somebody, and it's really good. Let me see if I can find the author name really quick. It's really interesting. It actually, they're very good at conveying anxiety, especially being on stage and stuff like that, by Molly E. Reader. I highly recommend that book. I guess there's other authors, though, who have inspired me, like currently, like Mercedes Lackey was kind of a past inspiration. I really like H.L. Uh, Burke. She writes some really good stuff. And she's one of my friends who has also helped me become a better writer, too. So that's also nice. That's someone that you know personally? Well, I mean, I met her through the author group on Facebook and everything. And then we've met in person before. And she signed books that I bought by from her. Yay! No <laughs> fangirl over here, you know. And then I really like uh, my aunt Leela Rose Foreman's books, too. You know, and of course, I've also read the books that her and her son Josh are working on that hopefully they're going to release soon. And they're really good. That world that they worked on is just amazing. So I'm just really hoping that they let those books loose into the wilds of Amazon soon so that everybody can read them. Oh, hopefully. I know he was, Josh was teasing at that when we interviewed him last season for AV Underground. And we're like, when can we get our hands on them? And he's like, eventually. Yeah. 
Well, the release date is April 1st now. Ooh. Like and he's gotten a table at uh, NorwestCon and stuff, too. So he's going to have to hold to that so that he's got books available. I don't have that kind of patience. Like, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'm like, once I get a book done, it's ready to publish, I publish it. I don't know that I've ever regretted it, per se. You know, it's just uh, even if I could go back and change things, because I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't done things the way I did. So I think that... Uh just about exhausts all the questions that I had for you. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we uh, call it for the day? Well, let's see. Um, I was pumpkin was squeaking at me, but I don't think you'll be able to hear it. Sadly, no. Something to add. He was like, I have something to say. Give me whipped cream. <laughs> you know, I can't think of anything. My brain is like, oh my gosh, we survived. Hooray. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, AJ, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I'll go ahead and if there are any links that you would like me to share so people can find you, I can pop those down in the show description. Yeah, that would be great. Get the world to know you through your work. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, yeah, I have. I do have one more thing to say. Oh, go for it. A lot of people talk about, you know, they're afraid to move forward. They're afraid to do the things. I am so nervous right now. I am shaking and sweating like crazy, but I'm doing it anyway because I am determined to succeed. Well, I appreciate so you, you fighting really through that. If you really want to succeed, just do the things. Oh, thanks. Well, and I appreciate the opportunity too. So it's just thanks, anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again so much for being on the show. And to everyone else, uh, we'll catch you again next week with more AV Underground. Until then, keep creating. Stay awesome. AV Underground is a production of YDG Studios and is brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Eileen Hubbard and For Love of Nerd. To find out more about our guests this week, check the links in the description. Our intro music is Nine to Thrive by Culla. Find out more about Culla by visiting Culla.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Do you have questions about getting started as a content creator that you'd like us to address in a future episode? Send us an email at yeahdudegamers at gmail.com with the subject line Ask AV Underground, and we just might include your question in an upcoming episode. AV Underground is hosted by MJ Watson and Josh Needham and is produced by Josh Needham.